Hello, everyone, and welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for joining us. My name is Adobe Okocha, and I'm glad to be your host today for our community session by TMK Entertainment. Today, we'll be discussing COVID-19, commonly known as coronavirus, particularly as it relates to the African diaspora. Without further ado, allow me to introduce today's panelists. Our first panelist is Dr. Latif Odeyemi. Dr. Latif Odeyemi was born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria. He attended the University of Lagos, where he graduated with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Pharmacology. Dr. Odeyemi came to the U.S. and obtained a second Bachelor's of Science in Pharmaceutical Science, where he began pursuing his PharmD at the University of Louisiana at Monroe. Dr. Odeyemi worked as a retail pharmacist for two years and knew he wanted to do something more. He always had the mindset of being an entrepreneur in the medical field, and that goal was achieved in August of 2019 when he acquired Parkway Pharmacy. Dr. Odeyemi believes that investing in the community and building strong relationships with each customer provides the best service possible. His goal is to leverage his diverse clinical expertise and business insight to combine great healthcare and keep the convenience in the community. Our second panelist is Dr. Richard Japney also a pharmacist. Dr. Richard Japney is 31 years old, originally from Yaoundé, Cameroon. He worked as a pharmacist for Walgreens for two years before venturing into pharmacy ownership. Now he owns six pharmacies all across Louisiana and though he prefers pharmacy management, he also still enjoys being behind the counter to help patients. Our third and final panelist is Dr. Chris Anyakora. Dr. Chris Anyakora is currently a PGY-1 family medicine resident, soon to be a PGY-2. He studied medicine at Windsor University and received his MPH, Master of Public Health, at Argosy University. He has a strong interest in global medicine. And with that, I'd like to start a discussion with asking, what are you most worried about regarding this virus in the current crisis? Even though the mortality is not at high rate, it's extremely contagious. So if you have a, you know, a virus that can contaminate, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of people all at once, yes, you can, ha you can have an extreme low, uh, extremely low mortality of 0.001%. But by the time you multiply that by 100 million, you know, um, a bunch of people can, you know, can, can die because of it. So that's definitely something that is of concern of by me, like the the the, the con, you know the fact that it's highly contagious, and also like uh, uh, the 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 MD say, um, very concerned about the vaccine. Um, we all know in this panel uh, how a vaccine. What are the steps that need to be done for a vaccine to be approved? And part of those steps are the vaccine need to be. Um, you know, need to be tested on humans. Um, that being said, you know, all of us being of African descent, you know, we should be of concern about it because chances are, you know, people of African descent that are living in Africa basically 
our parents, grandparents, cousins, brothers will be the first people in which that vaccine are actually, you know, uh, tested on. And, you know, because we don't have the infrastructure, because we don't have uh, the, the brain, because we don't have the money, we have to pay for the vaccine by providing with, um, you know, we, uh, with the people for the vaccine to be tested. And that is uh, of very concern for me. And those are the two things that I will definitely note on this COVID-19. So, um, like Dr. Chris and Dr. Richard said, um, part of the big concerns is going to be not taking COVID-19 as a serious pandemic. Um, I'm, I was guilty about this too. And pretty much everybody needs to realize that it's serious pandemic. Um, it takes everybody to act, um, follow the guidelines for us to be able to fight this. Um, not practicing social distancing. Um, also, COVID-19, does not everybody has symptoms. That's a big worry because um, you could possibly be a carrier and spread into other people. Um, not wearing or taking up the PPEs, which are the um, personal protective equipment, in the proper way you could I mean, even though you're trying to protect yourself, you can end up infecting yourself. Um, from the economic standpoint, I think I'm highly worried about loss of jobs, um, businesses closing, ultimately the economic crash. So I think it's a big issue that we all need to put in effort into it, follow the guidelines, and I believe we should be able to see the end of this shortly. Thank you. Um, so we, you've mentioned protecting yourself. You mentioned PPE. What do you find are the best ways that we can protect ourselves and those around us from this virus? Um, so from CDC guidelines and WHO and the rest of them, they've outlined um, some tips to it. Social distancing is very important. If you don't need to be out there, please stay back home. If you're not an essential worker, just trying to restrain, you know, restrain from moving around. Hand washing, you have to wash your hands properly. And this does not, um, hand sanitizer does not substitute for that. You can use hand sanitizer, it's, you know, it's advisable, but it doesn't substitute hand washing. Proper technique, like I said earlier, must be able to work and remove your PPEs appropriately. And I believe this is some good insights as to how to protect itself. Great. And, 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 and to add on that, um, there was a, the, the only things that all the study have in common, the places that have done well against this virus is the fact that people need to wear masks, period. Um, people need to wear, you know, masks. And it's very, it's a very efficient way to actually combat this uh, the virus. So every, I would add to everything that you just say. I will add the uh, the part of mask and wearing mask should be mandatory for us to protect us and to protect the person next to uh, next to us against this virus. Mm -hmm. Now, in looking at um, protection measures, what if those fail? So, if someone happens to get the virus, what should they do if they or someone they know contracts a virus? 
said if they get the virus or if they know someone. So pretty much, so there are two uh, current recommendations, you know, from the CDC. So the first one really is uh, quarantine. So what quarantine, this quarantine is isolation. You know, the two major differences between both of them is quarantine just simply means that if you've been exposed, it's recommended that you stay at home for at least, you know, 14 days. You feel like you've been exposed to someone who has, you know, uh, the virus or who, who could be potentially infected. So that means you're under quarantine. So when you say isolation, that simply means you currently have the diagnosis of COVID-19, you know, so that, you know, so that is considered um, isolation. You know, so uh, the care for it pretty much is supportive care. You know, um, things to watch out for is really the shortness of breath. Some people tend to have it really bad. Um, and these are people who are really highly susceptible. Think of people like uh, with, you know, chronic heart conditions, you know, uh, chronic lung conditions like COPD, um, asthma, that, you know, people that have it really bad as well. So even people uh, where your immune system is really down. Think of people with uh, maybe late state HIV, people who, who had a maybe kidney transplant, or people under immunosuppressive therapy as well, because those uh, there's some medications that can actually dampen down the immune system, you know, making you uh, highly susceptible to you know things like this. So uh, it's really supportive care. It's still ongoing, you know, research, you know, on the actual drugs, you know, that tend to help. So it's more more supportive care. And you know, if you feel like you're in grave danger, obviously the best place for you to go would be to you know which house your primary care provider and see. You know, and then they can better triage and know how to better help you. Okay. And I know we are currently under a stay-at-home order for many states, I believe nationwide at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find them effective? And if not, how can they be made more effective? Uh, I mean, there's a tough question. First of all, I mean, I do find it, you know, pretty much effective. You know, I mean, if everyone stays in the house and not go out at all, you know, I think it would be effective, but people still tend to go out, you know, um, and, and the essential workers, they need to be out as well, too. And even now, there's some states that opening up, you know, the state of, I know Tennessee is probably opening up soon. I don't know if it's opened up already. Um, you have Georgia, you know, who they plan on opening up. So things like the barbershop, the restaurants, you know, those are really going to be highly, you know, effective places. I mean, highly, you know, the rates, you know, of, of effectivity is probably going to go high in those places like that. So I, I think I think it's working, but now they seem to be damped down on it, so be interesting to see how everything pans out in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the stay at home order is very, it's a great idea, but it takes everybody to um, follow the order for it to be effective. And for example, in Louisiana, we have over 25,000 cases. And just in my parish, we have about 552 cases and a few deaths. So my point exactly is, um, only go out if you have to be out there. Like if you um if you don't follow the guidelines, if you don't act like as recommended, this is not gonna be effective. Um if you can stay six feet apart in public areas, respect, you know, everybody don't I mean there's some other things that could add to it too. Everybody's trying to get the PPEs and you know everybody's trying to get the essentials, you no know, hoarding of essentials, you know. We've been seeing it on the internet. I mean, in our communities, where some of the as, as essential as tissue paper, things like that, we just have to, you know, act appropriately and try to just um, consider every other person. And I think um, the stay-at-home order is going to be more effective that way. And so. Are there any concerns that you all have when it comes to um, a rebound of this virus 
um, when these orders are lifted. I know many states like Georgia, Tennessee are um, lifting some of their orders um, in the coming days. Any fear of rebound? Richard, I think you muted it. Yeah, you muted it, Richard. Can you? Okay, hold on. There we go. Yeah, I say, I, I, I think there will be a rebound, and that is expected. Usually, um, according to history, looking at the Spanish flu, it will happen four months after everything is everything is lifted and back to normal. So rebound are uh, rebound are to be expected. Uh, to me, um, part of the part of the concern that I have is um, if everybody everybody need to follow the stay at home order. However. Um, uh, measurement need to be provided for people to, you know, to not be at home hungry because ultimately what's going to happen is if you follow all the order, uh, you either going to die from the virus or you're going to die from being hungry. And, you know, and the end result is you possibly dying. So um, yes, there may be a rebound. Yes. Stay at home is great, but you know, uh, measurement and things need to be taken care of to make sure that, uh, people can stay at home without having to worry. What are my kid, you know, uh, you know, have to? What What are my kid gonna eat today? And I'm saying it because being a pharmacist, you deal with the community on an everyday basis. So that single mother of three, uh, she cannot send her kid to school anymore. So that her kid not gonna be able to have that breakfast and lunch at school. She's gonna have to provide it, and but she also cannot go to work. She was already living paycheck to paycheck. So now she's stuck at home with her kid and, you know, uh, and she doesn't know what they're going to eat. So what, I, what, what, what are the expectations for her to do to make sure that her three kids going to eat? And so I really want people to follow, you know, the stay at home order. But I also want us to do realize that it can be really difficult to do so because, you know, you may end up staying at home and die hungry. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Um, now, when looking um, to very specific communities, specifically um, the Black communities globally, um, what changes do you think this will have for us in our community, in our culture, in the long run? So, I, I, yeah, go, go ahead, boss. All right. Um, it's unfortunate that the African um, American population has been affected a whole lot, and I personally think it's due to the predisposed factors, diabetes, hypertension, and other, um, amongst others. So at this point, we've seen how the issue of COVID has affected this, and I would really hope that the, the African-American community get, you know, gets more health, like get more conscious of their health um, seek medical advices, you know, trying to put effort into health education and, you know, state compliant medication compliance. Um, like, for example, at Parkway Pharmacy, I call daily on a daily basis, reminding people of why you're, it's important to take your medicine. I mean, all this needs to be improved. And I've seen a drastic change after COVID started. I've seen people getting more conscious about their health, um, you know, paying attention to exercises and 
other predisposing factors. So I really hope after this whole situation is over and hopefully not much longer, I hope everybody has learned from it. Everybody's paying attention to their health like we should, health is well. You know, it's very important for you to be able to take care of yourself, know your own, I mean, whatever symptoms, because this COVID from what I've learned, it's also case by case. Some people do not have symptoms and some people have, you know, various ranges of symptoms. So it's very important to pay attention to yourself, your loved ones. And I hope um, everybody should be able to learn from this and we see a positive um, change in this. Okay. Any other input? Okay. I know also like, you know, some structural issues do play um, a factor into how it's affecting the black communities in a, at a greater rate. Um, and, you know, so you kind of have like, a, it's like, a, it's coming at us from two different ways or from multiple different ways, um, which kind of makes it difficult um, for diagnosis, for treatment, um, and even for the healing process after that. Um, so with regard to the healing process, how do you, how is it currently being treated? And um, I'm, um, I, I'm going to start answering that question and I'm going to let the Andy letter on finishing up. Um, I think, you know, all of us being African-American and of African descent, I think we have to, we have to explain how we arrive there you, you know yes we are predisposed but why are we predisposed because we are the poorest community we are the one making eight dollar per hour and minimum wage when i've made minimum wage when i before i've made minimum wage when i was in college and so when you make minimum wage you want to eat a big mac you want to eat you know you want to eat a burger you want to eat non-healthy calorific meal and Ultimately, you know, that's how we end up with diabetes. That's how we end up with uh, uh, hypertension. That's how we end up with high cholesterol and all those other predisposition, you know, disease. So uh, I do want the African-American community realizing that, you know, it is don't take the weight on you and, and thinking that it's all, it's all because of you. You know, things, the way the card were played, it was the game was already kind of screwed. So don't don't blame yourself. Don't you know? Uh, don't take it upon yourself. Just know that we can do better. But also uh, the whole game was kind of screwed since the beginning. And uh, you know I'm gonna uh, pass it on to the you know to the medical doctor we have here to kind of talk about the treatment and all that. Uh, so really, uh, when it comes to the treatment, like I previously stated, it's more of a supportive care. You know, uh, Mr. A might have that. And let's say they have things like uh, COPD or they have an underlying, you know, condition that's worsened by that. You know, obviously, you can have to tackle that from that aspect as well, too. You might have uh, uh, patient B you know, who has maybe, maybe uh, kidney issues. And because of that, you know, things tend to worsen for him or her. You know, you tend to, you know, treat the underlying um, condition. But like I initially said, it's just more supportive care at this point. You know, they've been different. Um Drugs that have been touted, uh, hey, this could potentially help, this and that. But I mean, so far, there's not been any um, tangible, you know, research, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been research going on, but that has been proven yet to really be effective at this moment. 
So pretty much what, 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 what we tend to do is more supportive care at this point. You know, the CDC doesn't have now yet. Now, yes, it's more supportive care at this point. You know, um, in this patients for now. Hopefully, you know, um, there should be something in the line, but for now, it's more supportive care. Thank you. Um, so now that we've looked at what kind of treatment we have um, available currently, what do you think the timeline is for the development of this treatment? I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a tough question to answer because now, uh, you know, the company might have, you know, a potential research that might run, so you have to factor in, you know, uh, the, the politics involved in it. In other words, you know, um, they have to get, um, you know, clearance from Senate society or certain organization before they move things up. They have to do like, you know, research in terms of human testing and all that that has to get approved. You know, so now those things are kind of fast tracked. So I think it all depends on how, you know, uh, on what type of medication and how uh, and how they intend to pursue the research. I think that would determine the timeline. But for now, I know everything is sort of fast tracked at this moment. You know, so I mean, normally research goes from phase one to phase two to phase three. And different, you know, clinical trials have to, you know, call first before they actually just say using you know humans. But for now, it's just all uh, supportive care. And hopefully, you know, things are fast track. So, I mean, we're still keeping an eye on it. See. And and I love I love the fact that the medical doctor among us talk about the politic behind it because there is a politic behind it. You have to realize that you know we were all trained, we were all trained, you know, in the state, and so. It's very important to know that we were trained to think a certain way. Um, yes, it's you know it's easy to say that there is no uh, there is no study that proves that there is any supportive treatment, but you know it's it's kind of been shown you know from study from friends and stuff like that that uh, Plaquenil, hydrochloroquine, uh, in association with uh, azithromycin uh, and zinc, you know can do a fairly good to decent job to uh to uh to kind of like cascade down the disease and really make sure that um the virus get bright uh, the virus get really broken down now yes there is no detailed fda approved study that showed that but then again we were trained to think that fda approved study are the standard there's nothing wrong with that but in the case of emergency like this one, we have to think outside the box. Uh, there may not be any FDA-approved study, but I will feel very comfortable to, uh, to give to my patient that combination, azithromycin, plaquenil, plus zinc, in the event that I have a COVID-19 you know, um, uh, patient. And uh, talking about plaquenil, we took that back home very much so, uh, like I grew up in Cameroon, so uh, I dealt with malaria a couple of times in my life, and that was the drug of choice for malaria. Uh, it was Plaquenil, and so um, yes, people are going to say, yeah, there may be side effect, yeah, there may be this, yeah, okay, the end result may be death. If you don't take it, you may die. So what you're going to deal with the side effect that may erase from it, or the death that you may ended up with it. So you know, yeah, there is no. FDA approved study at the moment, but you know there is enough proof at the moment also to kind of show that you know we can go with the other option, waiting for the FDA to approve a case study. Um, just to wrap that up, um, 
I would highly suggest that you follow your phys your physician orders. Um, if you get symptoms, like follow the guidelines. If you have to stay at home, the quarantine, and pretty much seek medical advice. Like both doctors said, the side effects to these medications, some of the um, treatment options I've showed um, to help with respiratory diseases, um, you know, but ultimately, COVID-19 has been a case-by-case -case base, just like how you treat diabetes and every other um, diseases. I highly suggest you, you know, reach out to your doctor, seek medical attention, and you go from there. Okay. And then in this time as we're all pushing through this as a globe, really, um, how do you think we can support each other during this time, um, but also stay safe? Well, I think in this situation, definitely reach out to your loved ones. Let them know you love them. You know, show support. Um, Richard mentioned earlier, some people cannot afford um, the luxuries at this point. Some people live from paycheck to paycheck. To paycheck. Um, this is a good time to, you know, show support, whatever you can help with, you know, even if it's just words of advice, you know, education. And definitely I would appreciate if people um, could consider other people respect others, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the essentials ready for us to purchase. Don't, you know, don't hoard essentials, you know, consider your neighbor. And I think that should help follow the, like I said, I keep mentioning, if you have any symptoms, or if you feel like, you know, you've been exposed, please follow the guidelines and reach out, seek medical attention. That's very important. Um, on my side, and I want to add to that by saying that, you know, I always say, even to Dr. Latif, while joking is, we can't make money if everybody is dead. So, guy, go ahead and try to donate. If you have some, if you have some extra mask, donate the mask to, I don't know, to the mayor office so the, the city worker can have it, to the sheriff office, to the police department. Uh, you know, if you have some extra uh, money that you can spend on food so that food can be sent to those kids that are at home uh, so that they can help feel the, uh, feed the kids, you know, you're going to make it back. You're going to make it back once this whole crisis is finished. But one thing is sure, if everybody is dead, you ain't going to make no, no money because ain't nobody going to be there to pay for your product. So if you can, donate as much as you can so that people can stay alive and we can get this path through. Good point. Thank you. Dr. Chris, you were going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, just to kind of wrap it up, uh, just a couple of things says, you know, just, you know, regardless of, you know, as long as you're leaving your house, try to put on a, a mask on. Uh, I mean, the CDC recommends a cloth mask, you know, and the main reason for that is, you know, not just to protect you yourself, I mean, it's just to protect yourself from other people as well, because you might have the, um, you know, you, you might have the virus, you might not exhibit symptoms at all, but you could actually be able to give it to somebody else who might not come back from that. You know, so I mean, rather than just being selfish, thinking, well, you know, since so everybody got a mask on, I don't need one, 
you know, I mean, rather than being selfish, you should, you know, take it as a point of responsibility on yourself to put on a mask whenever you go out in public, you know, be it a grocery store, be, you know, the pharmacies or doctor's appointment, always have one on regardless. You know, I think that, I think that'll go a long way as well. Too. Okay. Thank you. Um, now, what are your thoughts on the response of various African countries to this virus? We should do better. We should do better because for once, we were ahead of the curve. For once, we could have been helping the European and the American country. For once, we could have been the leader and, and lead because we knew this was coming. We knew it was coming fast, but indeed, now we're still waiting for masks. Now we're still waiting for, you know, uh, for medical supply. Now, you know, for months, like Europe was hit with it, months, like two months before Africa. And I'm going to talk about Cameroon because that's what I really know of, you know, and we could have really be sending masks uh, to friends and be like, okay, this time we're going to help you out. And, 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 and there is nothing, you can buy pride. And, you know, for once we could have been really kind of like be helping others. But yet, once again, we are going to be there waiting to receive some donation from other country and it's frustrating it's it's aggravating because i know the quality of people that africa can produce i mean look at these panels you know people with highly highly intelligent people doing well in the number one country in the world and we are all of we are all african product and this is what we can offer to the world but yet we're still out there reaching out for help and it's frustrating well said any other input well um i think a few african countries have been doing better and um i know for a fact that some countries um had shut down the border as soon as this pandemic um got worse and um the stay at home order has been put in place and i appreciate that part and I think we could do better. Like Richard said, um, there's never, it's never too much to give to support, you know, the population, your community. So I would highly encourage everybody capable, you know, to reach out to your loved ones, donate, and, you know, help in any way possible. And that way with the togetherness, I believe um, we should be able to fight this um, battle better and quicker. Okay. Now, why do you think many governments were not ready to tackle this? Well, um, I think, especially for like developing countries, the infrastructure wasn't um, fully put in place. The economy is not as great. And I mean, even though they see this coming, it's all ties down to be, are they, you know, did they have enough infrastructures? Even in America, like, the ventilators, I know everybody has, is tired of hearing that word. We didn't have enough at some point. Look at New York, look at California, even New Orleans and Louisiana. At some point, we didn't have enough. But having a great economy, you know, the president was able to reach out to all possible, you know, all possible means to make sure everything is put in place. So, I mean, we've heard of SARS and other pandemics, but I don't think it can be overly prepared for it. 
I hope we learn from this and, you know, we could think ahead. And like Richard said, for example, when um, the, the European countries, you know, had a pandemic and it was, the orders were put in place, it would have been nicer if other countries could have learned from that and, you know, trying to tackle it in advance. Okay. Now for our pharmacists, um, how has this affected the pharmaceutical business and industry? Oh boy, oh. Uh, we 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 broke now. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you know, uh, and I, and and I have to say politically correct when I say this, but basically the way the way this whole thing works is, you know, kids go to school, parents go to work, kids go to school, and they share the bugs among each other. Unfortunately, they get sick. They come to the pharmacy and pick up three and four prescription. And uh, same thing happened to the parents. They go to work. They're exposed to other people. You know, they may get a little sick. You know, now with the confinement and people, everybody staying at home, um, the the volume of prescription being pushed out has drastically dropped, which means that you know, um, you know, the money coming in has, has also dropped. Um, uh, however, we want people ultimately, like I say. The only way to make money is to keep people alive. And so we do want people to stay at home. We do want people to, you know, go on by their business and really stay healthy. And so um, we rather take a two months with, uh, uh, with a slower volume and really hope that, you know, whenever everything go back to normal, everything will go back to normal with our industry as well. But, you know, um, uh, like they usually say, you know, blue ocean, red ocean, you can always, instead of going out there and poking for the same patient that you have always poked on, which they call red ocean, you can create your own blue ocean. And and you can do that by going and look at new market that you have never looked at, like mask, like COVID-19, you know, uh, 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 testing and, and so on. And that will create a newer market. So, Yes, prescription volume has dropped, but, you know, we are not that hungry yet. Um, just a little add-on to what Richard said. Um, I think there's been negative impact for sure. There's been drug, sh- um, drug shortages. You know, the people that work in the industry probably have to rotate on when to be on-site. This might have a little effect on um, the treatment options and, you know, the clinical trials. And in the community pharmacy standpoint, yes, we've had um, a decrease in volume of prescriptions, but we can always, like for Parkway Pharmacy, we've put um, we've implemented options, you know, for curbside pickup, free delivery. I also call my patients every time, check up on them, do, you know, counseling, talk about the medication options. And I think it's pretty much helping a lot. Everybody's having more confidence in coming out, you know, like, for example, at the pharmacy, I make everybody realize it's, it's optional. Like I could always, I bring the convenience to the community, the delivery is free. So you don't really have any reason not to take your medications is what I'm saying. So I really think um, even with all this negative impact, we can always pull this through and um, there's going to be changes. Okay. Um, our final question, we'll go to our physician. How has this 
affected um, our physician workforce? Uh, I mean, you mean medicine in general or just physicians in general? Um, let's say medicine in general. Okay, medicine in general. I think it really depends on what level of care you're talking about. Uh, first of all, you can think of uh, before, before I went and came to Nashville, I used to work for a home health agency. So obviously, you know, like the home health agency sector, things like that is going to be kind of downhill at this point in time. Person want to go into a patient's home in this, you know, in this kind of crisis, regardless, you know, with everything going on. Um, you can think of industries like, um, let's say, the medical um, or biomedical industry. You know, this could be a possible good time for them, being that you know, at least they can find other ways to produce um, technologies where they can better communicate with the patients at home, and people tend to utilize that more. I mean, even for things like uh, you know, people who focus on like telehealth, for example, you know, companies who you know make those type of stuff. You're going to be benefiting a lot from it because now people are much more into it, you know, than before as well. But uh, in terms of um, ground forces, like, you know, the nurses and all that, you know, um, depending on what sector of medicine you are, if you're in a hospital, I guess it's very good for you. If you're at a clinic, maybe possibly good for you as well too. But uh, in general, I think it had a, a negative impact because you, know, you might have some um, older physicians who might be much more experienced, but because of everything going on, they might be a little bit hesitant to perform certain type of procedures on patients. You know, maybe a patient might need uh, some type of preventive um, uh, screening, or let's say for colon cancer, for example, they might not be willing to do it at this point in time. They say, well, we got to come in later time. You know, so obviously, yeah, at that point, you might miss um, some interventions, preventive interventions that could possibly benefit a patient. So, you know, that could be detrimental in the long run. But I'll say this affected, you know, uh, the medical you know, I mean, industry in a negative way. But hopefully, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully we can come out of it. But I'll say it impacted us in a negative way in general. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all for your input. And thank you. And just, any... just, and just before we finish, you know, just yeah. before we finish, I want to I wanna give a kudos to my homeboy, uh, Latif, Dr. Latif that is here on the panel. He makes the best hand sanitizer ever. <laughs> So if anybody need hand sanitizer, like for real, reach out to Parkway Pharmacy. Like he really, he will. I make hand sanitizer too, but his hand sanitizer better. I gotta, I gotta admit, you know. So he make really good hand sanitizer. So you know, if you ever need hand sanitizer, reach out to Parkway Pharmacy, and it's gonna give you a good hookup. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for the moral support. Thanks for being <laughs> a mentor. Yeah. If you need hand sanitizer, reach out. To Parkway Pharmacy, hit up Dr. Latif. He got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any um, closing advice, remarks well, from you all? Well, on the joking part, you know, we have to have a little humor today, too. Please do not inject Lysol or any <laughs> disinfectant. Please do not. Absolutely do not inject please. Lysol or any. Yeah, please do not stay on the sun. Do not stay on the sun for 24 hours thinking that it's going to take care of it either. Please do yes. not do that. Do not so, do that. I mean, but that's just yeah. funny. Have, part of it. Um, right, any, go for it. If we have any Africans in the house, Guguru is not the way. It's not alcohol. You know, so I've asked some friends that are constantly thinking and seeing the way. That's right. Yeah. And if we do have any African, ginger and honey hang on, make it. Take your medicine. Take, go to the pharmacy and pay mm-hmm. for your medicine. Mm-hmm. Ginger and honey ain't gonna cut it. Ain't gonna cut it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's good humor right there. But definitely, I do encourage everybody, you know, follow the orders 
if you have any symptoms, you know, there's, there's no pride in, you know, staying away from the truth. Reach out to your medical doctors, to your healthcare professionals. Big shout out to all healthcare professionals, the first in line. I mean, we've all done a great job. We're going to fight these, you know, shortly we should see the end of this. I really encourage every other people contributing everywhere possible, even if it's more support, tell your loved ones that you really love them. And yeah, looking forward to helping as much as I can. And for the host, and for the host, thank you, man. You were a really good host. You know, I can't believe this is the first time you're doing this, but <laughs> you're really good. You're really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Good shout out to that. I really appreciate that. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your knowledge. Yeah, you did great. We did have one question from the audience, um, kind of going back to uh, stay-at-home measures, quarantine measures. Um, what are your thoughts on a lot of these southern governors lifting their um, Stay at home orders? Is it too early? What are your thoughts? It's politics, man. I mean, a lot of Southern governor, a Republican governor, and I'm going to leave it like that. All right. So um, I think lifting the orders from the economic point of view, it's, it might help. But on the long run, we're looking at, you know, health is wealth. We have people working in these companies and, you know, these workplaces and, from what we've been noticing, there's been, you know, when the um, quarantine or the stay at home was put in place and was done appropriately, we saw a good decline in cases. And mm-hmm. if, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but right after Easter, I think people got tired, you know, if you go to Walmart or any public areas, you see um, a high population now and we're getting more cases. So this to relate to the fact that, I think it's a little too early, personally, because we want to make sure everything is done appropriately. The people that didn't get it initially, we don't want them to get it. And the people that already have it, we're trying to make sure we have a good, you know, treatment option or, you know, supportive therapy before we lift the order and um, make the situation worse. Um, I do get a few questions in the pharmacy about um, appropriate way to you know, wear and take off, you know, your PPEs, the personal protective equipment, your gloves. You want to make sure you wear it in the right way. I think that's a good one. Um, the mask, common question is how long can I wear that for? Can I wash wash your mask? You know, I just tie it all down to the hygiene. And, you know, I really can't decide for you. Well, maybe the medical doctor or Richard could have a better answer to that. But, yeah, I think to answer the question directly, it might be a little too soon. I just hope for the best. And and as far as the mask go, for me, I always say, you know, get the N95 or K95. And there is two ways. Of, if you get two, you wear one today, and the next day you get a, you, you you get to wear the other one. And the wear and the one that you wear today, you put it under the sun the whole day by the window or whatever, or you can really uh trap the two uh the two ear loop around the pot put some water and just warm up the water to the point when you boil and so when you boil it's gonna boil into like the the steam gonna kind of kind of boil into the mask and it's gonna stabilize the mask and that's a way that you can really 
reuse uh, the KN95 masks. If you got to reuse them, you have to find a way to make sure that you kind of sterilize them. And those are the two ways. You either put it under the sun or you, you know, you strap them around a pot using the two ear loop and you boil water. And, and, and that will be uh, the advice that I'm going to give to you. Is that a CDC recommendation or a Richard recommendation? That's a, that's, a, um, that's a Richard recommendation, which in the case of emergency, uh, a healthcare professional recommendation is just as good as any recommendation. Okay, and our last question is, when do you think things will go back to normal? Any number estimates? Any? Uh, for that, I think, <laughs> I think that main answer will lie on on two things. You know, if they be able to come up with a vaccine, you know, if it's two months, four months, five months, then there will be the timeline. And also, if, if we're able to prove that who already tested, uh, uh, who initially, you know, even tested negative, you know, can they still get this virus? Are they still infectious? Is there any sort of uh, immunity to it, you know, after you get so a, I think there's a things that will determine the timeline for us, you know, moving forward, to see how long this will last. But I think this is a life changing um, uh, virus, you know, uh, something is going to now people talking about it, you know, there's initiatives we're working, working around with that has mask on, like sub zero. So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, it's going to be something to talk about in decades to come. So I'm not all depend on, you know, how, how long it's going to take us to come up with a vaccine or to determine, you know, if, you know, if we can be immune from this for the future. So that's what I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again. With that, I'd like to thank our panelists once again so much. Thank you for contributing your wonderful insight to this discussion. Um, to our audience, thank you so much for joining us and tuning in. And of course, we wish you health safety as we tackle this pandemic together.